This is an ABC podcast. Fierce. Girl power. This is the story of the girl who fought the baddies, Lillian Armfield, read by comedian and singer M. Rossiano. Hold it right there! Lillian Armfield spotted the girl from across the street. She matched the description perfectly. 14 years old, blonde hair, blue gingham dress. She was a runaway who'd taken off from her family home in the country, bound for Sydney all alone. Her parents had reported her missing and it was Lillian's job to find her, fast, before someone sinister got hold of her. Someone like the man who was pulling the girl along by the elbow. I said, hold it right there, Lillian called. The pair frowned at the strange woman ordering them to stop. They couldn't tell she was a police officer. She looked more like a secretary in her pearls, blouse and skirt. What's your problem? asked the man. Lillian took hold of the girl's other arm. I'm Constable Lillian Armfield and I'd like to talk to you. The man tugged the girl towards him, but Lillian tightened her grip. Hey, everyone, the man yelled. This woman says she's a cop. Lillian cased her surroundings. She was in the roughest part of the city, the part where criminals hung out and hid, where runaways were welcome and police were not. Let the girl go, lady, yelled one man, cracking his knuckles, or we'll bash you. A Sheila cop, hissed a woman. I'll beat you to a pulp. They were coming from everywhere, at least 200 of them, swarming around Lillian and ready to pounce. Look out! Lillian spied it from the corner of her eye in the nick of time. Someone had thrown a glass bottle straight towards her head. It whooshed past, shattering against a brick wall behind her. Ouch! Lillian could feel blood streaming down her cheek. A shard from the broken bottle had flicked up and into her face, slicing part of it open. But nothing could loosen her grip on the girl. She was determined not to let her go. So she let the blood drip. Drip, drop. Drop. Drip. Suddenly, the mob shattered like the glass bottle. Two uniformed policemen were blowing their whistles. They'd been patrolling nearby and heard the commotion. They charged through the crowd, waving their batons. Break it up! Break it up! They yelled. The man who'd been holding the girl slipped away as the police edged closer. Relieved, Lillian handed the girl over to her fellow officers. She thanked them politely but she cursed on the inside. If I'd had my own baton, I could have done the job myself, she fumed. Lillian May Armfield and Maud Roberts were the first two female police in New South Wales. They beat 400 other applicants for the job and they had lots of rules to follow. One, you couldn't be married. Two, you couldn't have children. Three, you couldn't be older than 30. Well, Lillian was actually 31, but she was so smart and tough that they made an exception. Oh, and once you got the job, one, you had to sign a form saying the police were not responsible for your safety. Two, you weren't allowed to train at the academy like the male recruits. Three, you got paid less than the men. Four, you weren't allowed to have a uniform. Five, you couldn't carry any weapons. And six, You didn't have the power to arrest anyone. 
The police only provided Lillian with a single thing, a handbag. Yet Lillian wasn't deterred. She was thankful simply to be in the force. She'd always wanted to follow in the footsteps of her great-grandfather, Constable Edward Armfield, but she never thought it would actually be possible because women police simply didn't exist before her. Lillian's job was to keep women and children safe. That meant walking the streets and through eerie parks at all hours, often alone. Maud, the woman employed with Lillian, quit after a few years. Lillian powered on, hauling crook after crook into the station for a rest. But she still struggled to earn the respect of the men behind the counter. You hear them up the floors, Lillian? They'd ask. Make us a cup of tea, will you, love? Lillian held her head high. I'll show you, she thought. When the other officers were planning a raid on a house in Lillian's beat, she demanded they include her. A wanted gunman named Stiffy was hiding out in a home of a woman named Nellie. He'll shoot us as soon as he sees the uniforms, one officer said. But Lillian piped up. Send me in first. They don't know who I am. Lillian strode up Nellie's steps and knocked on the front door. A curtain pulled back and a set of wary eyes peered out. Who are you? A gruff voice asked. I'm here to see Stiffy, Lillian said. I owe him some money. The guard was fooled and let her in. Lillian could hear voices upstairs, a man and a woman, Stiffy and Nellie. She moved further inside while a car screeched to a halt on the street. It's the cops, shouted the guard. As he lunged toward the door, Lillian blocked his way and pushed him back. It's too late, she said. I'm with the police. The other officers stormed inside. They're upstairs, Lillian said. Let's go. Flanked by the policemen with their guns drawn, Lillian led the way. Well, hello there, said Nellie. She was tucked up in bed, pretending not to understand the fuss. This better be good because I'm not feeling well. The officers looked under her bed and in her cupboards there was no window so Stiffy couldn't have escaped. I know I heard his voice, Lillian said. Nellie faked a cough. <coughs> There's no one here but me. I told you, I'm ill. Lillian pulled back the blankets. Nellie was fully clothed and not in pyjamas. She was even wearing an apron. Aha! Lillian spied a man's shoe poking out from under Nellie. It was Stiffy, hiding between the bed springs and the mattress. Come out with your hands up, Lillian yelled. We've got you now. Stiffy was arrested, but not before spitting at Lillian. Ugh, gross. Don't worry, Nellie said as they dragged Stiffy away. I'll get the lady cop later. Nellie never did get Lillian, but Lillian hooked plenty of crooks like Nellie. In the 1920s, Sydney was ruled by gangs. They lurked in parks, stalking unsuspecting couples out on romantic strolls. While one young man and woman canoodled on a bench, a thief crawled along the ground behind them, reaching up for their wallet and handbag. Hey, you! He was spotted. And the couple was in luck. A policeman called Constable Frederick Walgast was patrolling nearby. He took after the thief, chasing him across the park. They jumped hedges, weaved through trees and sprinted until they were both out of breath. 
And then the thief stopped, dead in his tracks. He turned and faced Constable Walgast. Bang! The thief had a gun. He pulled it from his pocket, pointed it at the policeman and pulled the trigger. Constable Walgast fell to the ground. He died in hospital days later. And the thief, he got away. Lillian was determined to help catch him. She joined the other officers as they plotted their investigation. Send me to the park, she pleaded. Plant me on a bench with my handbag. I'll attract the gangsters and then we can nab them together. But the men wouldn't agree. They thought it was too unsafe for a woman. (sighs) Fine then, she huffed. You can be the woman. Lillian told everyone what to do. She dressed one of the policemen in her pearls, blouse and skirt. She taught him how to walk and sit like her. Ah, it should have been Lillian. But it was a man who pretended to be a woman out on a date with another officer disguised in plain clothes. Sure enough, a thief approached their bench at dusk. Hands up! The officers took the man back to the station for questioning. All of the park gangsters knew each other and it didn't take long for the thief to reveal the identity of the murderer who killed Constable Walgast. The killer was caught, all thanks to Lillian's cunning plan and sentenced to prison for the rest of his life. And in that moment, Lillian decided what she wanted to do with the rest of her own life. She wanted to become a detective. Lillian, now a sergeant hadn't just made a name for herself in the force, she was also known on the street. Those shady characters who once mocked her and pelted bottles at her head, they grew to like Lillian. She wanted to help them be good and she believed most weren't bad at heart. One of the people Lillian had tried to help over the years was a young woman named Connie. Why are you dating creepy men? Lillian would ask. You're too good for them. But Connie wouldn't listen. She had a habit of falling in love with criminals. When Connie started hanging around a married man named Rex, Lillian warned her he was big trouble. Apart from having a wife, he was known for carrying guns. Leave him, Connie, Lillian would say. I can help you start a new life. Connie thanked Lillian and said she'd keep her offer in mind. So when the call came... Lillian was devastated. There's been a murder, the police chief said. We want you to join the detective team on the case. The victim was Connie. She'd been shot. Her body was found at home next to a table set with afternoon tea, complete with dainty cups and teapot. Two other detectives examined the scene while Lillian door knocked in search of witnesses. A neighbour said she heard Connie yell Rex's name before the sound of gunshots. Meanwhile, the detectives were noting other clues. Connie's teapot had spots of grease on it that were also later found on a gun abandoned nearby. But perhaps most important of all was a conversation Connie had with Lillian when she was still alive. A conversation that wouldn't have happened if Connie didn't trust Lillian. Rex and I had a fight, Connie had said. He, he shot at me. I was so shocked. I, I, just, I just stood still. Luckily, the bullet missed. The fight happened at Connie's brother's house across the city. Lillian and the detectives hightailed it to the house and meticulously combed the walls. 
And there it was, a bullet embedded in the wood. Thank you, Connie, Lillian whispered. The bullet from the wall was a match. It came from the same batch and the same gun used to kill Connie. Rex told the court he was at his wife's house when the murder happened. I was visiting my son, he said. But the team of detectives knew better. Rex had no son. He was a dirty liar. His wife took the stand and confirmed the truth. Rex left my house, she said, with plenty of time to get to Connie's before she was murdered. The judge tapped his gavel. I find you guilty and sentence you to death. Lillian rose to her feet and straightened her pearls. She glanced at the despicable Rex one last time before he was led from the dock. Lillian couldn't bring back Connie, but at least she'd brought her justice. As well as justice for victims of crime, Lillian brought justice to the police force. By the time she retired, after 35 years on the job, there were almost 50 policewomen in her home state. Today, more than a quarter of all Australian police officers are women. And they still have lots of rules to follow, but they can be married, they can have children, they can be any age, look, as long as they're grown up. We can't have two-year-olds running around with guns. They train at the academy, they get paid the same as men, they wear a uniform, they carry weapons, they can arrest people... Not willy-nilly. I mean, you have to break the law. And they can still carry handbags, but only if they want to. And if there's one person they should thank when they salute, it's Australia's first woman detective, Lillian Armfield. Well, don't mess with Lillian Armfield. That was a pretty cool story about Australia's first female detective, right? I love how Lillian went up the staircase first and the dudes behind her had the guns and all she had was a handbag. What a legend. What a fierce woman. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Fierce Girls. I'm Em Rossiano. I'm a singer, a writer and a comedian. I have dogs and I have children who I love in that order. Joking. You can hear more stories of Fierce Girls on the podcast, like this one about the jockey Pam O'Neill. Stata holds the button. They're about to release the field. And they're off. Mr. Man jumped well. Blue Boy is charging forward. Bob the Bloke is looking strong. Jeff the Pam O'Neill was sick of listening to race callers gushing over male jockeys. She wanted to ride, but women weren't allowed. It's the sport of kings, not the sport of queens, racing bosses said. Pam was determined to change the rules and she wouldn't back down. She wrote one letter every month for 14 years demanding women be allowed to race against men. Dear Miss O'Neill, thank you for your 168 letters. We've decided you can race. Yours sincerely, horse racing bosses. And they're moving in. Pam O'Neill making her debut on Samoan Lady. Pam was ready. She was nervous, not because she was worried about the ride, but because of everyone's expectations. Yet when the barriers clicked shut, her nerves disappeared. 
and they're off. Pam threw her body forward as Samoan Lady galloped with all her might. And it's Samoan Lady ahead by a length. It's time. Samoan Lady. Samoan Lady. Samoan Lady wings by a length. Pam wanted to collapse with relief. She was exhausted, but so grateful that she hadn't let anyone down. I think you were put on this earth to do something, she told reporters. And my job was to get the rule changed so that women could ride against men. To hear more awesome episodes of the Fierce Girls podcast, go to the ABC Listen app or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, be kind, be brave, and most importantly, be fierce. Roll the credits. Fierce Girls is produced by a bunch of super fierce women. The executive producer is Justine Kelly. It's produced by Rebecca Armstrong, with a special thanks to Rachel Fountain. The stories are written by the uber-talented Samantha Turnbull. Judy Rapley is the amazing audio engineer who puts in the cool sound effects like this one. Kelly Reardon is the boss who lets us make fierce podcasts like this one. Fierce Girls is a production of the ABC Audio Studios 